Jesus Church College. Join hosts Richard Tamburo and Molly Inman as they chat with other faculty and guests about church, the Bible, theology, and learning the way of Jesus here in Portland. Today, we're talking about anxiety, depression, and hope. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to the House Alone podcast. It's Richard here as normal and someone who you might have seen around church. Um, he got up on stage, shared a story a little while ago. And so, uh, but first time on the podcast is Rick, who no one's going to know any other, I was going to say your surname, but really I think they're going to identify as you. Oh, that prayer guy, Rick, <laughs> which is awesome. <laughs> and so this is a bit of a continuation last week we talked i said i'll you know on sunday we talked about the disciples like they've lost jesus judas they feel stabbed them in the back their world's changed they're at this pivot point there's lots to process and it just that moment at the beginning of acts echoes a bit of our world and it seemed like a really good opportunity to to dive in a little bit and so last week we had heather and we talked about grief and lament and sort of loss and some of these dynamics that lots of people have been aware in this season. Oh, I, I've definitely been feeling that, or um, I've been feeling that more than usual in different ways than usual, things like that. And, uh, and so Rick is also a therapist. Um, and so we've got another expert um, who's passionate about these things. And yeah, so it, we could, this is another opportunity to like get practical. So, you know, that Sunday was a call to action. Uh, so now it's like, okay, let's have loads of talk about how to actually respond. If we feel like God saying, Hey, I care about your emotional health. You're not just supposed to like put stuff on hold. You know, God wants to be a part of that journey. God has guidance for us on that journey. Um, and just remembering, I mean, verses like, you know, in Hebrews, we've got a great high priest who is tested in every way like we are. You know, he felt profound loss, rejection, abandonment, you know, isolation, all, all of the words. And so he gets it. He gets us. So there's hope um, in the midst of it all. And so, Rick, that's a long intro. Let's uh, Let's turn to you. So COVID has changed things. Um, it's hard to put a finger on. Uh, it's an interesting time because it's not that there weren't challenges before. Uh, and there's often seasons that ramp things up in our life um, in terms of the sort of uh, what the negative emotions that then create challenges for us. Actually, some of the positive ones can create challenges too, but that's another story for another podcast, <laughs> how to deal with excitement or something like that. Um, but but it is like it's a, it's a weird layering of like lots of challenges at once with COVID. So what have you been noticing that could maybe, and this is something Heather and I talked about last week, is because mental health and mental health awareness is not something we are well-developed in in our culture, we sometimes have a low level of awareness of what's affecting us and how. 
and of language to help give us boxes to be like, oh yes, okay, right now, now I can start to interact with that and know and become more aware of of things. So, yeah, talk to us about things you're noticing that might like help us spark. Like, oh, hang on, that that sounds a little bit like something I've seen in someone or in myself. Yeah, thanks, Richard. Um, I'm just delighted to be here because we're all in this together. Um, isn't it interesting that COVID has brought all of us together? And so we've all in our own ways been experiencing the struggles with COVID, whether it's anxiety or depression or isolation, um, you know, all sorts of struggles. It's, it's coming out in lots of different ways, and we'll talk about that. So I think that's an important place for us to start is that we're all in this together. And I think I, I start with that because it's so important for you to recognize you're not alone. Mm. God brought us together and God didn't intend for us to be isolated, but that's what's happened with COVID. You know, you think of us all needing to stay in our homes and, you know, don't go to the grocery store unless you have your mask on. Of course, the mask, then we can't see each other. That, that wasn't God's intent. God's intent w- was for us to lock arms, to be in community with each other. That's the value of church, the community groups. And so the ramifications of that has been so much isolation that then spills out in, it can go into depression where we just feel like we want to isolate. You don't have energy. And let me quickly say, if, if that's you, you're not going crazy. You're going through a crazy incident. And that's two very different things. Some, Many times my clients say, Rick, I feel like I'm going crazy. And I remind them, you're not going crazy. You're going through a crazy incident. So maybe you're checking out, you're isolating, you're not wanting to go to church, you're not wanting to get together with friends, even when you, you have safety protocols in place. That might be depression. On the other end is anxiety, where you feel all stirred up. And you don't know what to do with it. And of course, the problem with that is when when we're needing to have safety protocols and we aren't able to go to sporting events and socially appropriately yell our heads off, you know, at a, at a basketball game or a football game, we don't have those natural outlets. We don't. And so what happens is we stuff it all inside and mm-hmm. then it comes out in unhealthy ways. So with anxiety, it can come out in irritability. It can. I'm seeing so many more relationship problems, anger, um, certainly addictions, whatever addictions. And the, the top addiction I've been seeing that's increased over COVID is spending because people can sit on their computer at home and just spin, spin, spin on Amazon. So mm-hmm. all of those are outgrowths of what we, what we could have never anticipated. You need to know that you're not alone, that God loves you. And, you know, it's interesting in Psalms 23, we've all heard this a million times, but I want to point out something that I find fascinating. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He he makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. And you remember what the next phrase is? When we lie down in green pastures, whatever that would look like for you, And when we stick our toes in the quiet, still waters, God restores your soul. Mm. Isn't that fascinating that that the picture God painted for us was not if you're busier, if you go and make more money, if you drive a fancier car, or if you kind of solve COVID on your own, then your soul will be restored. 
God, the picture God painted for us was when you lie down in green pastures, whatever that would look like for you, rest. When you stick your toes in quiet, still waters, then our soul is restored. Isn't that just fascinating, mm-hmm. the picture God paints for us? I'm so glad you said Psalm 23. Um, I, I was literally just about to go there because <laughs> that's the one that came to mind for me as well. But, but actually, it's the rest of the psalm as well. It's, it's God walking with us through that valley of the shadow of death, um, which I, I love that there's a sort of God's presence. And you talk about restoration, like a similar word that I remember from Acts, which we'll get to really soon, is that, you know, repent, like turn to God. And then this offer of like, and that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So God's presence has this kind of refreshing, restorative sort of effect on us. Like Psalm 16 as well, if you guys want to sort of, I don't know if this is clicking with you and you're like, yeah, I want to meditate on some Psalms. Psalm 16 is another great one, talking about all the hope and joy and gladness that we we experience in God's presence um, as a a corrective to sort of, anxiety like it changes the i mean you talk about you know going through a crazy circumstance i think that's like when god enters the picture in psalm 16 it it just puts a little spin it's not a denial of the circumstance but it changes the context of the circumstance so it can be experienced a little differently you know and it's not escapism but it's just a more holistic awareness of the circumstance when god's present it just, it just changes the story of it sometimes. Well, and Richard, you brought up the latter part of, <clears throat> excuse me, Psalms 23. And, you know, um, one of the teachings a couple months ago was on that, and it was just profound. When, and I think if we look at it in, in the light of what we're all going through right now with COVID and struggles, the difficulty, the shadow of death, the valley of the shadow of death. So those of you that are listening in, what's your shadow excuse me, what's your valley of the shadow of death? We're all going through th- things. And God God wants to be there for you. So when you think about what is your valley of the shadow of death, isn't it, isn't it encouraging? It doesn't give hope, doesn't give joy to your soul when we look at the next few verses and when it, when it talks about the table is laid before you. Yet right after we come out of the valley of the shadow of death, death, God just blesses us. Our cup is running over. In other words, how do we get through those those difficult, dark times and get to the joy that God intends when he lavishes a table full of feasts for us? What would that look like for you? That's part of dealing with COVID. It's part of dealing with these times we're in when you're feeling down, when you're feeling depressed or anxious, to literally be able to say to yourself and go to the Lord and, and talk about God, how do I get from where I'm at to where you want me to be, whereas you want me to be full of hope, full of joy? We all need hope. And I think it's part of what has been a struggle this last year and a half with COVID is we've lost hope because we've all been stuck at home and can't do anything that we usually would do. So it's a great thing to say, God, what do I need to do to, to get to that sense of joy that you've called me to? Yeah. And it's, I mean, I was actually listening to a podcast this morning, cricket podcast, nothing super spiritual, but it was an old one. 
and uh, they were doing a bit of a like, what are you looking forward to this this next year? And the guy said, you know, not Christian or anything, but just like, oh, I just I really want to be able to have hope again. And so, yeah, that's a really ubiquitous experience, I think, for people. But so I would encourage if somebody is lacking hope right now, if, if you're listening to this and you're really struggling, start small. If you if you enjoy eating chocolate, go get a chocolate bar. In, in other words, cr- do things that create positive emotion for you. That's how you start turning this around is to do things that create positive emotion. Do something fun. With my clients, I many times give them homework and I say, in all capital letters, F-U-N. And they laugh and we laugh together. And the reason we have to talk about it is when we're feeling down, when we're feeling sad, when we're feeling anxious, we don't think about having fun. And yet that's how we start getting back to joy. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, I think everyone's going to want to now come visit your practice because if you're going to recommend getting chocolate, that's definitely my love language. I'm into that. But... (laughs) It's it's kind of it's an interesting set of things in our culture that make it hard for us because like you began talking about like you know when you're isolated you don't really have outlets for anxiety and you can't be with people participating in things that they're they're both an outlet but also a thing we might enjoy like you mentioned a sports event you know. Um, so, so circumstances are such that there's lots of things we can't do. But already in culture before COVID, we tended to live quite isolated lives. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting at a time like this, the remedy uh, requires like discovering outlets in the midst of COVID. So there's some creativity and like, how else can I get something that should be normal and healthy? But... We, we weren't quite doing it to begin with. So it's uh, it's an interesting challenge right now, maybe for some people of like, oh, I'm some of the things I might need to try are things that I didn't used to do because before I could get by in this unhealthy state because circumstances weren't kicking my butt as much. So I didn't really notice I needed these things. You know what I mean? So uh, that's something I'm very aware of is like, uh, there's a, and, and that's, um, you know, you could say, oh, that's really terrible you know, that that's the problem. But also, if this season highlights that for us, what yeah. a great opportunity to step into it, having been made aware that that was dysfunctional. Let's not do that again. Let's do something better, right? In our culture, particularly here in America, it's been set up in the past for isolation. And that's part of what we're dealing with. You think about homes, you push your garage door opener and without getting out of the car, you drive into your garage and then you pull down the, the door. So you don't even talk to your neighbors. Um, you know, 20 years ago, they started changing the housing industry here in this country because they recognized this was such a severe problem. And so now in housing communities, when they build a whole community, they build a playground where people can mm-hmm. come and visit with each other. They have homes that open up to each other. Um, That's been very purposeful because we're so isolated. So notice I use the word purposeful. God is an intentional God. And 
Um, so we need to be intentional about how we're going to do this. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're feeling down or you're feeling just full of anxiety and it's coming out in unhealthy ways, be intentional. Go to God. Cry out to God. God invites us to cry out to him and say, what's the direction I need to go? What are one or two things that you could do to be intentional about reaching out? Invite someone over to your home. Get out and walk your dog at times of the day when others are out there and you can visit with them. Go to the grocery store and say hi to somebody. Uh, what are things you can do to connect? Because we, we've got to lick this COVID. You know, that, that's that's Satan kind of stuff, You're causing us to, to isolate. And we want to get back to what God intends for us to do, which is connect mm-hmm. with each other. So what can yeah. you do to connect? I mean, as you're saying, this is a, I've got a thought. It's complicated though, so bear with me. <laughs> but I'm thinking about like God's initial purpose for humans. You know, like God was there with Adam and Eve, but there was this total vulnerability with them. You know, the openness. So that sharing, being together, interconnectedness, there were no barriers or boundaries to that. But then really quickly as sin enters the picture, the first thing you notice go away is that vulnerability. They can't be vulnerable with each other. Okay. So that's part of the broken human condition is we struggle with that. That's a, you know, theology tells us, and then we could look at the world or look at ourselves and be like, yeah, I think that's true. I, I, like, I could have told you that already. So good, that's good. But then I also think about how in our culture, when we get to the point of realizing like, oh, I have just, I've got the buttock with COVID. Like I've had enough, you know, I've had enough being isolated. Um, We can tend to want to like swing for the fence, you know, and like, well, I'm going to like have this, I'm going to reach out to people and build this like intimate vulnerable community, or I'm going to, you know, see people five days a week or, you know, and, and sometimes we kind of set ourselves up to um i don't know not go on the journey to like to want to write to arrive at the destination without doing the small steps at the beginning like there's there's a reason why actually i think americans do this too but there's a reason why in british culture people joke about yeah it's really normal when people meet they talk about the weather and it's because it's a socially agreed upon topic where there's no risk of me stepping on your vulnerability or you invading mine. We are very cautious, you know, with with our vulnerability. So the isolation thing is just theologically challenging for us. And so I love the way that you're then talking about these small steps because, you know, uh, the, the antidote to vulnerability is trust. But trust is built, not chosen or demanded you know, in a way, it's a sort of, there's a process to go through. And so it's just, just interesting. You start talking about human condition. My theology brain starts clicking with Genesis. And um, yeah, I, I just wonder how much of an effect this season of COVID is having on our, our sort of trust muscles. You know, that's an interesting other sort of set of language. I think you bring up a really important point, Richard, Because when we start losing trust, we also start losing hope. And as we've already talked about, hope is just fundamental. 
It's why a relationship with God is so incredible. We can always put our hope in God. That's what God's invited us to do. You know, if you're listening to this today and you're depressed, we understand because this has been a difficult season we've gone through. And the reason we have to talk about this stuff is because when you're depressed, you don't you want to isolate, you don't have energy, you have a lack of motivation. Literally yesterday I had a client say, "Rick, I have turned into a couch potato." He's an engineer at Intel and very, very successful. But his words were, I've turned into a couch potato. Well, he's depressed. If you're feeling that way, that's why we got to talk about this, because at the feeling level, you don't want to do anything. And that's why I call it doing battle between our, our heart and our head. Our heart mm, is our emotions. Bad. Our head is our intellect or our cognitions. And I find this big battle that we need to do between what our feelings are saying. So like if you're depressed, your feelings are saying, don't do anything. I don't want to, don't have any energy. So I just, I just, I'll check out. That's what your feelings are saying. You have to do battle with that and go back up into your head, what you know. And that, that's why we talk about this to say, even though your feelings are saying check out in your head, you want to be intentional about moving forward. And Richard, you said something that was so key, taking little steps. That's how you get out of the depression. So yeah, sometimes an antidepressant medication is very important. God gave us physicians to, to figure out medications and all that kind of stuff. And it's those little steps. Say today, I'm going to go outside and I'm going to walk for three minutes. Well, that's a great thing. Or maybe you get up and decide to cook a really fun meal. Uh, it's little things to get that will get you back to the to ha- feeling more motivation, feeling more mm-hmm. energy. It's it's little steps at a time. And I think trying to, I don't know, like our social narrative, our media narrative is very big picture, and sometimes that's overwhelming. But trying to notice the little details of our interactions. So, for example, I, you know, I wouldn't describe myself as in a state of depression. Um, I think there's a I've, I've seen that in people. So that's, you know, I just, but, but yesterday, you know, uh, I actually had to finish the day by like reaching out to someone to apologize to them because they'd come to me with a really good idea and they were really positive, but they just ran into a wall of like, I just don't have motivation for this, you know, and just recognizing, you know, in myself, like, I know that, these aren't I like these aren't rational read like my head is not thinking clearly. My my feelings of not having motivation are really causing me to say no right now. And then processing that just a tiny bit with that person to invite them in, let them know what's going on, like and why I might be feeling that way, and then say, Thank you for challenging that. And then inviting a welcoming, like, keep like you, ha- you did have a good idea, like keep talking to me about that, you know, and just, but it, it's a, you know, I'm t- take two minutes to tell the story. It's, it's a really small thing, but it's that small opportunity where now I'm a little bit more interconnected with my community, have invited someone in, been a little bit vulnerable, been real with someone and honest with someone, built a little bit of extra trust with someone you know, just those small little things like that. It was just what you're saying. I was like, hey, that happened to me yesterday. So there's like a real tangible example I could tell. 
The you other know, thing, how church becomes <laughs> important is that's a way to um, move past the the isolation. Mm. So even if you're depressed, to go to church and walk in the door, like what I do, I walk in the door and every single Sunday I say, God, I am listening for what you have for me today. And for you to go into a gathering and to say, God, you know how I feel. You know my heart. You know what's going on. But I'm open to what you have. It might be the music, the incredible worship where we're worshiping God. We're praising God together. It might be the teaching. It might be it might be during that two minutes of interaction with somebody else. But go expecting, even when you're feeling down, expect God to meet you. Mm-hmm. I also think one of the challenges at the moment uh, you know, you read your Bible, especially the New Testament, and you can't help but notice this. They were together, like have peace, be of the same mind. You know, there's this call to recognize a unity we actually possess because of Jesus. And yet the the Christian world in the Bible was so diverse, so many different ways of doing things. And sometimes they bumped into each other. You know, they had to process it. But right now in our media world, you know, we're being categorized as you know, labeled as different types of well people, never mind just Christians. Um, but the the tone of why we're noticing those things is to set us in conflict. Mm-hmm. You know, if my friend doesn't really like the vaccines or doesn't, you know, just things like that, you know, that hates wearing a mask, you know, things like that, that doesn't destroy the unity that we like actually possessed because of Jesus. Now we may not realize it relationally and emotionally yet, and we may have stuff to work through that's hard for us. There may be tensions, but there's just, it it would be really easy to feel very non-trusting of everyone right now. If all we're sort of imbibing into our soul is all the reasons to be suspicious of all the people around us. Like we've got to be, and this is that sort of work of the enemy to amplify the thing and make make the main thing, the thing that actually should be a subsidiary thing. We've got to lay a hold of the core thing. Like we're brothers and brothers and sisters in the same body, you know, same Lord, same baptism, same faith, you know. And so it's just a real interesting season for isolation as it's like we need it, but another set of things that's against it. The other thing I was going to ask you about, like you talk about, um, you know, uh, trust, but um, something we haven't really talked uh, or focused on, but you mentioned it a couple of times is anxiety. So because anxiety, you were at the beginning describing as like a sort of a very different experience to maybe depression or or grief or some of these other things. Uh, but I was interested, like, yeah, I wonder how trust and our sort of, Um, isolation interacts with the way anxiety plays out things we can do things that we can be aware of in our relationship with god church others that might actually um change the trajectory of that anxiety because i think anxiety is one of those things our experience of it where we notice it tends to be oh i really feel like this is a truck bearing down on me you know it's not anxiety is I, I, I don't know, maybe it is for some people, but it's not a sort of steady state of like, oh yeah, I'm always anxious about that. 
the moment I become aware I'm anxious about that, it grows and grows and grows in my consciousness, you know. And so, yeah, that's an, an interesting one because um, there's a there's a mental part of often we can frame our anxieties in terms of problems we'd like to see solved, situations we'd like to see changed. But as an emotion, it can be it can sort of rear its head, be very overwhelming. But then you might wake up the next morning and just be aware of the same problems, but not feel the emotion. And so it's a yeah, it's a sort of really interesting one where that difference between head and heart manifests as well. Anxiety is really an interesting one. You're right, Richard. Um, I think of things on a continuum. So with anxiety, if we start on, if we drew kind of a big long line on one end would just be normal everyday worries. We all have those, you know, get a flat tire and so I have to fix a flat tire and, you know, they they run out of bananas at Safeway that I I would worry if they ran out of bananas. Um, (laughs) I'm a long distance runner, so I eat lots of bananas. Um, Well, then you move from worry into anxiety, those worries that won't go away and you feel it, you feel it in your body, you feel tension in your body, you feel stress in your body, and then it moves into acute anxiety. And then on the other end of the continuum, it starts moving into panic feelings sometimes all the way to full-blown panic attack. What I've seen the last year and a half is many of those worries have moved into chronic anxiety where you're in a chronic state of anxiousness rather than just worries, but then they, they naturally just go away. And that chronic state of anxiety becomes really unhealthy, both unhealthy emotionally, it becomes unhealthy physically. We get more illnesses because our immune system goes down. Yeah. Um, we're, you know, you're more irritable. You're yelling at the, at the spouse and kids and, you know, little things. A driver cuts you off on the road. And in the past, it wouldn't have been that big a deal. It's just a little worry and it goes away. And now you go chasing after him, you know, and there's road rage. Anxiety this last year and a half has taken a quantum leap. And again, we're living with a lot of chronic anxiety. So the mm. first step is just become aware of it. We talked about intentionality earlier and become being very intentional about tuning into your body and your mind. What are things that you're obsessed with? You know, at full blown, it's obsessive compulsive disorder, you know, where mm-hmm. it, it, it becomes so strong that we can't let go of things. So the first thing is just tune into, are there things that you're having a hard time, that, especially this last year with COVID, just letting go of? Where's your anxiety on a chronic level? You tune in physically and mentally and say, what are things that I'm having a hard time letting go of? And that's where to start is to just say, what do I need to let go of? Do I need to let go of TMA, which is, I call it TMA, which is too much activity. Here in our culture, we're busy, 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 race here, race there, race everywhere else. No wonder we're all stressed out. So sometimes it's slowing down. It might be as practical as you're you're taking in too much caffeine. You're drinking coffee all day long. Don't tell anybody that um, chocolate has caffeine in it. We don't want to hear that. No, that's the um, secret. <laughs> that, that's right. I'll show you my my, my chocolate cupboard here. Um, decrease caffeine levels because caffeine is a stimulant. Unless you have ADHD, then it, that's a different story. Yeah. What are you doing? 
to slow down your body. And that's where Psalms 23 comes in wonderful. And there's so many wonderful scriptures about just resting. Isn't that fascinating? The, the pictures that God gave us. Jesus preached to all the people. And then he not only got in a boat and had the disciples row, he went and took a nap in the back of the boat. What picture is that? Or when Jesus went away by himself to pray, there's just these amazing, fun examples all over the scriptures of slowing down. It's a huge issue for our culture. So what do you need to do today if you're listening to this and you're, as you're tuning into yourself, you're recognizing, yeah, I've got chronic anxiety right now. What do you need to slow down and what do you need to do to rest? What would mm-hmm. lying down in the green pastures and letting God lead you beside the quiet waters, what would that look like for you? Yeah. It's really interesting. Um, I, I would tell the story of like being a warrior. And then when I got to know Jesus, one of the first things he showed me in the Bible was Matthew six, do not worry. And it was a sort of game changer of like, Oh, it's not all on me to solve all the world's problems. And it was a, a freedom bringing realization, but it's still an ongoing you know, journey. Like things happen, the circumstances happen. Um, but it, it's really interesting. Like you say, trying to be aware of what it is that really stirs that anxiety up. And it's interesting because when that happens to me, I'm often asking myself the question, like, am I trying to interact with something in the wrong way? Like, I'm, am I trying to control something or I'm, am I antsy because I want something to be different? But actually, that's not in my court. That's not the thing I should, you know, feel responsible for. Or, And it's hard because sometimes anxiety is to do with something that, you know, it is something that totally is on your doorsteps. So you can't always do that. But like you say, just exploring those green pastures, I think sometimes it's... Um, just realizing sort of the the visual picture for me is like, oh, that scary thing there, like that's not actually in my pasture. Like that's not for me, like that's someone else's problem. And more often than not, this is the way human pride works. I'm like, because I get anxious about like the planet or the universe, like the big things. And I'm like, that's in God's court. <laughs> you know, that's, that's definitely not mine. But the, the other part of it is, if there is something I'm anxious about, part of the rest is not just a sort of escapism of like, oh, I'll, I'll buy some chocolate and watch Lord of the Rings. But it's actually, I guess, realizing the places where things are working well and allowing my emotions and my awareness. And, and actually, this is where prayer can help. Some of my gratitude, thankfulness, talking to God about it. And it's amazing how... Once I start to do that, my awareness that my life is not a story of it's all going down the pan, you know, which is when it's overwhelming, it can feel that kind of crisis. Or like you mentioned earlier, I'm going crazy, you know, Uh, but then it sort of breaks that. But it's amazing how those practices of gratitude, thankfulness and just it's not just like, oh, I'll put a positive spin, but talking to God about it. And asking God to help me explore the parts of my life that I'm like, hey, that's that, that the bit over there. That's a green pasture bit. 
like that's a still water bit and be becoming aware of those parts of my life because i i think sometimes we carry if the anxiety becomes the dominant thought the dominant of emotion it it can sort of be the label we attach to every moment of our day so being able to find those parts of our day where we're like oh yeah but this bit isn't labeled that way it can actually help us then appreciate those moments differently and so yeah i'm i'm not a therapist that's just my practice of like trying to connect Absolutely. up the prayer practice <laughs> you know it's kind of like this this last sunday in our teaching um we heard the challenge to think of where is god working and how do i get involved there And, you know, that's where prayer comes in. It's where spending some time each day with God. And, of course, that's the slowing down part. That's a way. That's a wonderful way to slow down, to ask God, where are you working? And then how do I get involved? And you notice how all these pieces of the puzzle start fitting together. When you ask God, okay, where are you working? And how do you want me to be involved in that? All of a sudden, that starts decreasing the isolation. Yeah. Because you're getting involved. You're saying – and. And you see how then the the puzzle piece of the joy and the hope fits perfectly there. When you start asking God, where are you working and where do you want me to be involved? Then God starts revealing to you what you can do. And it feels good when we're reaching out. It feels good when we're involved with something. And of course, that directly addresses depression when when we get excited about something that God has given us. So what Mm -hmm. what might be one thing that God is calling you to do? What is one yeah. thing that maybe is stirring in your heart that today you can say, wow, God, I think you're working there. And how might I be involved there? That's yeah. when the excitement starts churning and you get back to that sense of joy because you feel like you're you're closely aligned with God. Yeah, I love that. I think that's a really good place to finish, actually, to, with the, like some of these prayers. Um, I've I've got it's almost the same language, but another spin on it is uh, to ask God. What do you want to get involved with? What do you want me to tackle? Because sometimes one anxiety leads to another. It's like a domino effect. You know, we can become aware of all the things that are challenges before us. But one of the beautiful things about God is despite the fact that God is aware that we've got about 16 million faults, he doesn't rock up on a Sunday morning and be like, hey, dude, we need to have a chat. Like, this is all the stuff you need to fix this week. Normally, what God does is he's like, Here's the one thing I want to talk to you about, one step at a time. And so if we feel overwhelmed by lots of things, that's a great place to start is asking God, like, what's the thing we should focus on, though? Like, what's, yeah. uh, And I I mean, for me, it's visually, um, sometimes I, as a prayer practice, sort of use my imagination uh, to sort of help God bring awareness to imagine like a desk, I'm sat at with God and I can just sort of reach into my life and sort of lay it all out on the table. So it's all on God's desk and then ask him like, which things do you actually want me to pick up and do next? Like where should my attention be? So it's a twofold thing of like knowing, Oh, okay. God actually is saying, yeah, it's okay to focus on this because I actually want to do something with you around this and so the intentionality the motivation is different you're doing it with god and then you might be easier to invite others into it 
But it also has this effect of the other things I'm not just ignoring or like, oh, man, I'm still worried. But like, I feel like God's given me permission to just leave that on the desk for a while. Mm. And so there's a sort of, yeah, like if, if God says, if that's how God's directing me, there's a freedom in that. Like if, if God was really, I mean, this is using weird language. If God was really worried about that, like, oh, man, I think you should pick that one up too. God yeah. would say, hey, Richard, this as well, you know, Um so that's an interesting sort of visual prayer practice that um, yeah people could try. All right, well there's a couple of prayer things. That's a that's a good forty minutes chat. And so, yeah, encourage you guys be doing some of these things. Uh, we finished with prayer, but lots of practical advice today. And then yeah, we'll catch you next time. I think uh, we're going to pick up. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit, and uh, that's a big theme in Acts. So I think we might be talking a bit more about the Holy Spirit. So we we'll see you next time. God bless. Thanks for listening to this episode of the House of Learning podcast. This podcast is produced by A Jesus Church College, based at Westside A Jesus Church in Portland, Oregon. AJC College trains and mobilizes the next generation of kingdom leaders through an accredited four-year degree in biblical studies with an emphasis on leadership and formation. We combine classroom learning with mentoring and ministry apprenticeship for a third of the cost of traditional college. To find out more, go to ajccollege.org or follow us on Instagram to find out if this is where God could be calling you to explore your calling. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review, subscribe, and share it with someone. And if you have a question you'd like us to chat about, please let us know. You can email us at podcast at ajccollege.org. If you can, send us a 20-second audio recording saying who you are and where you're from, along with your question, and we'd love to include it in a future episode.